everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Report podcast. It's uh, it's the off season, or maybe it's season nine. I don't know. Maybe I'll call it season nine. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but I usually take the summertime off uh, if for no other reason than it gets insanely hot in my office. It's a converted attic space. And uh, in the summertime, like right now, I'm just looking at the temperature gauge with the AC on. It's 82.6. We're coming off of a heat wave. Uh, and it was close to... Uh, peaking at 100 degrees in here uh, when it was really hot outside. So the AC really just can't keep up with the sun. You know, who'd have guessed it, right? You can't really keep up with the sun. There's not much space between me and the the elements outside up here, uh, which is equally the same in the wintertime where it gets insanely cold, but there's at least a, a heating system up here that can keep up with that. One quick update about the Matt Report. As you know, I usually do these gap seasons. I do these in-between seasons of me hosting uh, other folks on the uh, on the podcast. And uh, we're going to kickstart some new content with folks who are just getting started with their own WordPress podcast. So you'll start to hear voices from other folks uh, that are looking to get started with their podcast. If that's you, maybe you're thinking about getting a podcast started or you are just got your one or two under your belt already and you want a little boost. Uh, just shoot me an email or contact me, uh, matreport.com slash contact. Let me know about what that podcast is. And maybe we'll publish your first uh, two or three episodes on the Matt Report channel just to help you get a boost and to give some of my listeners some content while I'm away. The question is, does your product make your customers feel powerful? Um, is whatever it is that you're selling or creating have this impact on your customers that say, wow, every time I use this, I just feel like I'm in control and I can do some amazing things that I couldn't otherwise do with either another product or with having to, you know, self-train myself. And I really think about that as the thread in the fabric of a lot of the products that I have worked on. And and sort of this whole storyline will start at the beginning of like how I got into the digital product space, what my first products were, uh, how we eventually got to themes and the conductor plugin, which is something that is more attributed to me as infrequently as it does, because I I really don't promote it as much. Um, You know, telling that story of how we got into conductor, where it's at today, you know, why I feel like it was never a real home run product, but it's a solid product that makes the agency money and it's still going and still being iterated on and I feel comfortable with that. There's a lot of people like to tune in to people who continue to see month over month growth, 100%, 200% and all of these awesome product owners that hit awesome product market fit right out of the gate and they just love those stories and then they eventually get funding and then the whole challenge becomes boring. It just becomes running another company. Um, you know, my story in the product space is yeah, I've hit a couple, a couple doubles to use a baseball reference, a couple doubles that make things uh, uh, quite interesting. And, and maybe that's you and maybe you're getting into the product space and you just want to hear from somebody who's just not rolling in the product dough, but you want to hear from the ins and the outs of what we went through. That's what this story arc uh, of this sort of little off season uh, stick shtick that I'm going to do. Uh, so let's get right into feeling powerful through products. All right, so I really have to go back to my 
youthful days of using a computer that just had uh, MS-DOS on it, right? Before Windows even existed. And just being young, I don't even know how old I was, eight, nine maybe, where everything I had to do on the computer, I had to execute commands to run. So if you're really young, maybe you've never had to experience that before. To open up an app, you've never had to write out or type out a string of commands, press enter, and let the thing run, let alone have to put a floppy disk in, a five-inch floppy disk in. And that was the very beginning where I was like, I, I, I just feel it's something cool about it, right? It's it's almost like, you know, when I was young, I always thought about being in the FBI or the CIA. And like that was was really cool about the command line because it kind of felt like I was like this cyber spy kind of thing. And when I would ran commands, I, I had the computer do something and it felt really powerful. I felt empowered like I could do all of these crazy things. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward to my high school days, I remember getting into uh, Visual Basic and QBasic uh, as a programming language uh, back then in Pascal, and just doing things like having the computer draw on the screen and do these, you know, quirky little fun things. And I quickly, you know, realized that like math was not my strong suit, but I still loved the, you know, building out interfaces, building out prompts. You know, when somebody entered a string of different characters, it did a few random things on the screen or uh, prompted a dialogue with, with a user. And I fully remember spending hours upon hours replicating the prompts from the movie War Games. Yes, they do. How can I talk? It's not a real voice. Uh, this box just interprets signals from the computer and turns them into sound. Shall we play a game? Oh. And I remember, you know, making the, sc the screen draw the map and, and all these crazy things, and it was just mimicking the movie, but it was really the part, the really the very early days of, like, just me enjoying building something and making something out of nothing. And, and, and that's really the essence of, of product building. When I got into college, I started to experience um, open source software. And, and at the time, I was working part-time at Circuit City, which was an electronics retailer. And, you know, we were selling computers. And this is, again, this is when computers were just really hot and people were just coming in. I need to buy a computer. I need to have this thing called a computer with a printer in my house. Your you know, give me the best one. interest for 12 months on any computer or 10% off any computer. Like this Packard Bell 486SX33 with monitor. Just $1099.94 with 0% or $989.95 after 10% off. And this Magnavox 20. Then I just remember one day a customer coming in and said, you know, and he said, hey, give me your cheapest open box computer, right? This is a, a computer that was returned or it has some damage on it. I just want the cheapest computer you got. And I, I vividly remember it was an NEC uh, tower and we sold it to him for like 300 bucks. And back then that was like dirt cheap. It was dented. It was stained. I mean, it was the lowest, um, you know, it might've been 300 megahertz, 400 megahertz. I can't really remember what that was. And I was like, what are you going to do with this thing? Like, this thing can't run anything. It can barely run Windows when we turned it on. And he's like, oh, I'm installing this thing called Linux. I'm going to install this thing called Linux on it, and I'm gonna, I can run it as, as a Windows alternative. And at the time, we had Linux in the store, right? It was a, a box. You would buy software right on the shelf, and, you, and he walked out with it. And I was like, huh. 
I get to try this thing called Linux. Like, this is something that's interesting to me. Like, there's an alternative out there, and I can do things with it. So I remember heading over to Barnes & Nobles and buying the Linux Bible. And uh, I think it might have been put out by the same people as, like, the Dummies books. But uh, I believe it came with Mandrake Linux at the time. I believe I got that right. It came with Mandrake Linux, CD in the back. And it was this 700, 800 page guide to installing Linux. And I got myself an open box computer from Circuit City and I just started playing with Linux. And I was like, just amazed about all the alternatives that, you know, software that was out there and what I could do with a computer. And the guide brought you through installing Apache and uh, MySQL and, you know, running HTML websites right through that. And like my mind just blew up. I was like, wow. I can like I can do some pretty amazing things, and then at the time I was started college, and it was just a, a community college, and it was computer networking was the was a specific uh, focus in that, and we had to build a rack. So for those of you in the you know server space or IT space, you know that a rack is a rack of servers, and we had to make them all talk to each other. So we had to make Linux talk to Windows NT, and Windows NT talk to um, you know, a uh, file storing service and Novell networks. We had to do all this stuff. But the key component that this community college or the professor at this community college, um, you know, wove in there was run it as a business. Like build a case study uh, as if you were, you know, putting together a network for a business and make the pitch to what you were doing. Now at this time, I had started to explore much more online with open source software and what Apache could do. So I was already like, I already know how to do this. This is amazing. And because I have a background in car sales, my parents or my family owned a, a car dealership. I was like, well, we're going to start this forum and it's going to be a place where customers can go and communicate with your dealership and leave feedback and schedule oil changes. This stuff predates you know, anything that was readily available online. I mean, there was nothing like this. And I was coming up with these ideas and maybe there were, you know, at a, at a high level that I didn't see, but you, you certainly didn't have an iPhone app that you connected with your local dealer like you do now and you schedule an appointment. I was thinking about this stuff and using open source software to unlock that kind of communication between business and customer. So, you know, Facebook groups, Facebook pages as we know it, you know, I was kind of building those types of little micro channels through open source software. Um, I mean, it probably took like a dozen of them. I think PHP Nuke is what I was using as the web interface, um, but um, just amazing stuff. And all of that stuff led into my first digital product that I ever sold. So once I got out of, graduated from the community college, at sort of at the tail end of that, I got a job working at an ISP in, in tech support, at a local ISP, internet service provider, as just a gen general tech support person. And over the years, I had evolved into a product manager, right? Because of my experience with all of these open source softwares that I you know, learned on my own and I learned through school, you know, I started to get the ears of the of the of the owners of the business to say, hey, look, I think we can do things with Linux. Um, I think we can do web hosting. I think there's email servers that we can run 
on Linux that, you know, because at the time all we had was Windows stuff. It was all Windows NT. And that's all we use for hosting. And there was just a ton of problems with it. Uh, security issues, uh, you know, uptime issues. There's so much stuff that was going wrong with Windows. I remember the, the admins always had to reboot things. It was just this nightmare. And I was like, wow, we, we can do stuff with Linux. And that's when I uncovered cPanel. I think that's when cPanel first came onto the scene. So I quickly grew into this person that knew open source software. I could put the, the products together and I could materialize that into a product offering for our customers. Eventually, as years went on, that company purchased another ISP and that ISP had a software development arm of the business. And you have to remember, again, this is 10, 15, no, it's more than 10. So this is 15 years ago at, at least. People who were building websites back then, I mean, you're, if you were going to somebody to professionally build a website, you're, you were spending like 30 grand for like entry-level websites. I mean, not, you know, nothing crazy. That was just the going rate. The designer, he was like, hey man, Drupal is an impossible for me to, to, to design with. We were doing a lot of real estate themes and he and I worked heavily with, you know, what features the customers were looking for, what it was that they needed inside their website and he would design it. And back to the powerful part, Drupal had two modules called CCK and Views. And those two modules were very powerful. I mean, they did things for me as a non-technical, non-developer that made me feel really powerful and made my designer friend feel really powerful at the same time, much like we see with page builders today and not so different to what we did with Conductor or what I did with Conductor with the team at Slocum. In fact, I'd say that CCK and Views and Drupal was the seed in building out Conductor, but we'll get to more on that later. As months went on, he and I were constantly talking to these real estate folks because, again, there was no Zillow, no Trulia, no Red Door. There's no, you know, consumer-based real estate website that everybody went to. All of these agencies were building out their real estate sites uh, ad hoc. So we get to a point where it's like, you know what? Let's take CCK and Views. Let's take one theme and design it for Drupal real estate stuff. And let's package that up and let's sell it. Like, I think we can sell things online. <laughs> and that was something that we, that we could do. And as the months went on, I, you know, I found the standard theme with, with WordPress. And I found the very start of StudioPress. And I was like, I think we can do this stuff. Uh, and it wasn't called StudioPress at the time. Um, I think we can do this stuff like, like these guys are doing over here, but with Drupal. And again, no theme force, nothing, nothing, no major marketplace out there. So my friend and I, we came and we, we, we basically, I would go in and build out all the CCK and views in Drupal, build out all the structure to all the pages and the, the posts and the sample data and the Google Maps integration, um, everything. And he would come in and design it. And then we would export all of that stuff and we sold it as a Drupal real estate theme before anything was really big on the web in terms of commercial theme marketplaces. And I believe at the time we were just using PayPal. Um, and then we migrated over to eJunkie, which was a, a platform for delivering digital goods, you know, having a transaction and sending it an email. 
And I mean, we were doing thousands of dollars a month and we just had like no idea what we were doing. <laughs> like we were just like, oh my God, like we, we can't believe we even uncovered this. And it's a little bit of, a little bit about like, you know, product market fit being super early, but there was a need for it. We were making other people feel powerful because then they just took our uh, uh, Drupal site and imported it into their hosting and they, you know, had a site up and running. And it essentially made them feel super powerful for their own customers to go and then just redesign it and, you know, populate their customers' data in it. And that, that was just the first iteration of me selling digital product and getting my feet wet. And it really started with just feeling powerful through software and being able to do things that I couldn't otherwise do without just spending a ton of time learning it and training myself. And uh, that's really what has driven me through all of the products that I've been working on or worked on. Um, and again, Conductor being one of them, we have another one, Easy Support Videos, uh, which is just a way to uh, embed videos in the WordPress admin. Uh, and that's totally free in the WordPress repo. And it just makes me... It encourages me to build software that other people say, wow, like I didn't think I could ever do this or it solved this problem so effortlessly. Uh, I got the job done faster and more efficiently, so on and so forth. I say all this as a way to question, you know, are you making products that make your customer feel powerful? Is that something that is on your mind uh, when you build your products? In the next episode, we're going to talk about Conductor Plugin and how I fooled myself into thinking that we had hit uh, product market fit on day one. So stay connected, stay subscribed to The Matt Report. It's mattreport.com, mattreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. Head on over to youtube.com slash plugintut if you want tutorial videos. I do some stuff over there as well. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I really appreciate it. All right, I'll see you in the next episode.